Hello and welcome back to Podark Podcast, a podcast about the Podark saga written and produced by Podark fans. I am one of them. My name is Rita. I live in England. I tumble at Princess of Poldark and tweet at Rita Bates. I am another one. Uh, my name is Michelle. I live in the States. I tumbler at Poldark Muses and tweet at Musings. Hi, I'm the third one. I am Delenda. I live in France. I blog at British Liso and tweet at Delenda Dia. As you may know, Poldark Season 3 is currently airing on BBC One. Last Sunday, Episode 3 aired, and we'll spend this week's podcast analyzing, discussing, and doing a whole lot of snarking about it. So while we highly recommend that you watch the episode before listening any further, you know, you can if you want to. However, consider yourself about to get spoiled. So let's go ahead and get down to business with our episode description. The episode begins with Ross and Sully on their set of limits. I mean, France. They're strolling around casually, talking loudly in English, like there isn't a war on. Cue overly aggressive French soldier types beating up randoms for no reason. Who you calling a dog, yo? This is the start of a long series of over-the-top scenes where Ross and Thali witness brutality amongst the French. There's even a scene where they watch Madame Guillotine in action. Ross eventually makes contact with a guy who he pays to get a list of the English soldiers. Then he waits to hear back from him. While doing that, he pisses off a French woman by not sleeping with her. She then turns him into the local authorities, who tell him to leave France that night, or he too will meet Madame Guillotine. Actually, Ross decides not to do that, and instead decided to use the ultimate disguise, a beanie hat, and <gasps> sneak his way back into town to meet his contact. The handover of the list is successful, but it seems the French authorities see through his brilliant disguise. Surprise! Soldiers surround him, but luckily for us, he has miraculous superpowers, and he beats like six of them off, and then two more, when he runs into them outside, and then presumably like 100 of other soldiers in the area, because there is no boat for days, and you're stuck in town, Ross. If you're wondering how Ross managed to make it out of there, don't worry, the show doesn't care. Well, technically he only needed to survive a day, but there's more on that later. He'll be home in a few days. Sure. Back in England, Demelza awaits at home for Ross's arrival, but soon finds out that Ross is going to, you know, bide his time in France. (laughs) In a subplot that still slightly resembles the novels, Sam and crew have taken to singing hymns outside of the church on Sundays just to piss George off. Spoiler, it works. And he ends up refusing them the right to use the meeting house Francis gifted the village. Oh, I love the part where George was asking about the people greeting them at church. Elizabeth explains that they're the tenants, you know, the the people that he's supposed to be in charge of, um, you know, and how Francis had had a good relationship with them uh, when he was alive. Jeffrey Charles quips, and no fences. I love that kid. This is not George's only act of douchery this week. When taking up his seat of magistrate, he is bribed into pardoning a rapist. In return for an invitation to a house party, even Elizabeth is disgusted. Yep, 
Speaking of Elizabeth, she gets mixed up in the Methodist drama. Because George denies them the meeting house, Sam and Zachy Martin pay her a call and ask for her to honour Frances's wishes. And it would have worked too if George hadn't told her Sam was Demelza's brother. Elizabeth slips her shit and ends up having, like, hate sex with George and then agrees to leave for Truro. She agrees to leave for Truro with George to get away from the Podocs. Oh my god. Uh, Which leaves Jeffrey Charles and Morwenna to run about on beaches with Drake. (laughs) Naturally, mid-gallivant Drake asks Morwenna to kiss him. Not with Jeffrey Charles here. (laughs) Damn, girl. So, instead, they decide just to stare at each other longingly. Yeah, that's not any more subtle, you guys. Um, throughout the episode, months pass, Demelza's tummy goes from flat to late stages of pregnancy, and the seasons hop back and forth between summer and winter, so it's impossible to say exactly how much time passes, but it's fair to say probably a while. Demelza has lost her patience with Ross, especially when Tully returns without him. But with his hat, strangely enough, and she decides she's going to do whatever the hell she likes. So she offers up an unused outbuilding for Sam and his Methodists to use. Now, eventually, Ross does return home again. Again, don't ask us how. And Romelza are all over each other. Uh, it's makeout time at Nampara. Uh, Ross shows her the list of prisoners. And lo and behold, Dwight's name is on the list. What? We then cut to Dwight with a beard. The shocks keep coming. The French guards drag in a bloodied man and dump the body in the prison where Dwight, forever the doctor, goes over and tries to save him. He introduces himself as Hugh Armitage. <sighs> Dwight, I'd let him bleed out if I were you. Yep. No jury would convict. No jury would convict. Ouch. Nope, nope, nope. No jury. Ross apparently then goes to tell Caroline her husband is alive. We say apparently because the scene is like a 10 second clip of Caroline dramatically swooning. So that's like two minutes of Caroline's screen time. You would think it was their storyline or something? Back at Nabara, Ross and Demelza are talking and getting ready for bed. Ross makes a dum-dum and questions Demelza's authority to give Sam the land. And he unleashes the beast. I have a child to support, another on the way, a farm to run, and a mine beside. Quite wisely, he apologizes. What? And then they smooch. A lot. (laughs) The end. The end. Good night, lovebirds. (laughs) So, episode discussion. What did you think of this week's episode? Um, Most folks thought it was really good. At yeah. least the folks that were okay. writing into us. Uh, let's see, absolutely Poldarky, absolutely addicted Poldarky said, I thought it was exciting, full of adventure, danger, and malevolence. Amanda Poldark thought this week's episode was amazing. She was a bit nervous about how they would handle Operation Save Dwight because it is a logistical nightmare filming wise, but they did a very good job. This is part one of Operation Save Dwight, so we have more fun in France to come. And miraculously, still only 30 seconds of actual Dwight. Yay! <laughs> and and we, we actually should put France in air quotes because I believe the scenes that are supposed to be in France were actually filmed in Wales. 
I mean, did it look like France to anybody? I I have no idea. I've never been there, so Delanda, you're our expert. <laughs> I well, France is a big country, but I think um, uh, it doesn't look at all like uh, Brittany or any similar area. So no, they were definitely not in no. France. But they were mostly in pubs, though. Anyway, Prairie Cheesehead said, despite a couple of things that made me want to hurl things at my TV, I liked this one a lot. Bpack sixty seven said, taking my book hat off. I enjoyed it. Had a couple of lovely Ramelza moments, action and adventure with Ross and Tholly and friends. George abusing his role as magistrate, strengthening of the closeness between Drake, Jeffrey Charles, and Rowena, and the strengthening of the relationship between Demelza and her brothers. Ladies, what did you think? So, like, hate is a really strong word, but I hated it. Um, <laughs> the only storyline I thought was handled well was Sam's. Of course, of course. Of course you thought Sam's was... I'm kidding. I'm but kidding. you know what I mean? Like, it's like I know what I, yeah. the only one that resembles the book. So I'm like, okay. Um, there are still things that I don't really love about that storyline, but it's like the best to me. Um, everything else I thought was just sloppy and mischaracterized. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed a few of the scenes for sure. Even loved some of them, but I don't think it holds up as an entire episode. And it really bodes badly for the rest of the season going forward. Yeah, I I had a conversation with Sparks and, you know, I said, you know, I can't say that I loved it. You know, I I am backing away from saying I hated it. But, you know, something I'm getting pretty goddamn tired of watching the damn things multiple times before I can ease up off the what the fuck pedal. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was average to... I really enjoyed last week's episode, uh, and uh, I had high expectations for this week's, but unfortunately, those expectations were not met. I still think they have huge problems with uh, how they uh, manage the whole plot, uh, with the timeline. It's just, it feels like everything is going so fast, and I really have uh, some issues with uh, some storylines. But uh, yeah, moving on, uh, did you have any favorite scene, and why? Tropelisa said, I loved all the Ramelza reunited scenes for obvious reasons. I felt like they were trying to show what a good relationship they have resumed since Debbie seems to have forgotten to do that, quote, a little in <clears throat> the other two episodes. <clears throat> uh, Sweet Bog 22, uh, the you're my wife and not my chattel. I loved how Ross softened when he finally realizes Demelza is right about dealing with things in his absence. And how he opened up about his fears of ever coming back alive. It was a lot of sharing for our emotionally inarticulate Ross. Demelza seemed pleasantly surprised by his reaction. I also love that he was sitting as he said all of this, allowing her to be standing over him, relinquishing his dominance of the situation. Okay, Kinetic Fox said, Demelza and Pretty needing bread. As a mom and wife myself, (laughs) I only wish I had a friend to need bread alongside me and get out my frustrations well that scene made me feel so happy that she was releasing negative energy through bread <laughs> right next to the hat it was better because yes, right was right next hurt. to the hat <laughs> um and uh, amanda poldark said demelza giving the methodists use of the old storehouse it was amazing to see demelza take charge while ross was away we haven't seen enough of boss lady demelza from the books the bigger issues also cemented my pro Sam Karn analysis I posted. Loot. 
Prairie Cheesehead said, uh, when Agatha makes the remark to Jeffrey Charles about having fun once George and Elizabeth left Trenwith, because it made me think of a teenager who throws a kegger when their parents leave for the weekend. <laughs> I bet Agatha throws some really good keggers. <laughs> <laughs> Although we think maybe she should see somebody about that uh, that uh, uh, kind of gassiness problem that she seemed <laughs> to have in the early part of the episode. Mm-hmm. It's because oh she only God, eats porridge. So <laughs> Demelza and Ross grinning at each other while joking about Ross cheating is the weirdest, like hottest, but dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but it felt oddly more in character than anything else happening in the episode for the oh. season. Oh my God, right? I, I love the fact that Demelza feels so assured of her place in his life that she's able to joke around about that, about this. <laughs> I just um, love that. Um, personally, I enjoyed all of the Melza scenes, of course, uh, especially the ones that she had with her brothers, uh, with Pretty and with Caroline, because I think they're like the mother and sister that uh, she never had. And uh, at the same time, she's like this sister slash mother figure to her brothers. So it was great to see her rely on uh, some moral support for such a long period of time while her husband was away for a short amount of time. Short. Uh, what was your least favorite scene and why Uh, BPAC 67 said when Elizabeth said goodbye to Jeffrey Charles she shook his hand and did not kiss him whatever Elizabeth's faults are she loves that boy to death and that scene did not ring true you disagree Rita Hmm. Uh, Elizabeth not a very good mother she does love that boy to death but I don't think she knows how to interact with him probably properly and when distance starts to grow between them i think her her reaction was just a try and like be like okay well i'm gonna be a dick to you back see how you like it when i'm not smothering you um it was just like kind of a childish immature move in my opinion mm. he didn't skim to care that much i think but yeah <laughs> um prairie Shazette said when George basically let that Godolphin relative get away with rape in order to curry favor with Lord Godolphin and then charging the victim with perjury, that made me want to reach into the screen and throw it on George. Same. Same. <laughs> yes. And um, Amanda Poldark agreed, adding, the political corruption at this time was so off the charts, and I'm glad we're seeing some of the history pointed out in the novel. I think this might have been the biggest misstep of the episode for me. George's character's always been more nuanced than this moustache-twirling caricature that they presented in this scene. Sorry, I'm picturing. <laughs> Snidely Whiplash! It's from the Bullwinkle cartoon show, for those of you that are scratching your heads, trying to think, what the hell is she talking about? Uh, but yeah, Snidely Whiplash. I don't for a minute doubt that George is capable of doing such a terrible thing. But for a party invitation? Like, really? I think there's more that he wants to get out of the Godolphins, uh, but I think we'll be seeing that as uh, the show progresses. Uh, He's also angling for a seat as a Burgess, so that's probably hovering around the back of his head, too. Not that that excuses the cluster flack of plotting we saw on Sunday. It really doesn't. Like, honestly, what does the storyline even prove? George is a terrible judge. The justice system is corrupt. Guess what? We knew that already. Uh, we really don't need to be bludgeoned to death with this subtlety. 
Although, here's a thought that just occurred to me. You know how when Ross declined the uh, role as magistrate, how he said he'd have to judge his, his fellow man? Perhaps they're yep. kind of putting an exclamation point on, on that for him to show that, you know, here's what Ross would have been faced with and how would he have been able to um, react and respond uh, with two other justices um, uh, on either side. And also, if George is the newest magistrate, why the hell is he like head magistrate on day one? <laughs> <laughs> don't you think I they mean... would have had kind of like a slow ramp up for that kind of thing but hey what do i know this show is defying logic so there's no drama in that god uh kinetic fox uh very quick but it was jeffrey charles saying he's not a bit like me is he much darker <laughs> okay now the kid is making comments everybody's making comments we get it already Chill out on this. <laughs> is he or isn't he? This is getting ridiculous. Thing. Oh my god! It's like they feel like we need some kind of reminder that this question looms over uh, everyone's heads. It's like uh, we're kind of smart, you know. Oh, no, it's like they're treating us like complete morons. Yeah, it's like we we can we can track. You know, what happens from episode to episode, but, you know. Or like five minutes in the episode, because you know they said it like five <laughs> minutes earlier. Um, my musings from the heart said, the Tholi Ross talking their room in the inn about Demaza and Elizabeth, not again the brooding, sad and happy look when Elizabeth is mentioned to make us viewers feel like he still pines over Elizabeth. Debbie? He does not. Three, Demaza talking to Drake about her marriage with Ross. Debbie, do not give the viewer over and over the impression they do not love each other. They do, you know, and very much so. Tropeliza <laughs> said, I hated the scene where Ross takes on basically the entire French army in Moscow. <laughs> like, seriously. It's utter nonsense. And he manages to escape. Like, uh, I rolled my eyes so much during that scene that I gave myself a headache. <laughs> Thank you. For all of us. Yeah, thank you, thank you. The entire French escapade required me to completely suspend my disbelief, all in the pursuit of drama, trademark. Listen, Ross never would have survived a month-long stay in France, let alone multiple months, just hanging out during the Revolution. A British subject with hazy business papers who never speaks in France and never buys and sells anything? Nope. Not gonna happen. So, let's look at the fight scene. As a setup, Ross is told he has to leave before seeing Clisson, who's arriving on Sunday. Ross's ship doesn't arrive until Monday. So, he's forced to leave immediately on another ship. What day that is, we don't know. So, he swims back to shore. Okay. First, we have no idea what day he's told to leave, so we don't know if he's been sleeping in barns for just a couple of days or hell. Why not another month or two at this point? <laughs> so he meets Clisson, engages in a fight with the French army, escapes into the night, Sunday night. Remember, this is Sunday night. 
And then he has to stay hidden until his ship shows up on Monday, which he's already mentioned to the officials. Does he think he can just saunter up to the damn thing and get on board (laughs) after he beat up the entire French army? And where the hell did Darkie come from? (laughs) It didn't look like he'd ridden down to the beach for his departure. Would he have let the horse sit in a livery for months and months and months on end when I'm sure Demelza could have used the sweet beastie on the farm? Granted, I swooned like a motherfucker when he was riding back up on that horse because, damn, that was awesome. But I'm th- th- this rant has absolutely nothing to do with the differences from the book or anything that I usually rant about. <laughs> this just this just boils down to logic. Simple effing logic when it comes to planning these scenes. It's making me absolutely berserk that they don't have someone who can identify these huge plot holes that you could drive a semi truck through. It's really annoying, given how much money they're spending on the production of this show, that they don't have somebody that can tap Debbie on the shoulder and say, uh, you realize you've got this little problem here, don't you? Like, literally, like, 20 minutes into the episode, as they're screening it, I was just like, this is a mess. (laughs) This is a complete mess. Just show one fangirl. She will be your... I know. I volunteer. I I volunteer as tribute. I mean, please. There you go. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, and I know that they, that they, and okay, I must say this in the book. This trip takes, (laughs) this trip takes a fortnight. This book takes a fortnight. So two weeks. That's how long this trip takes. I understand that they wanted to extend it to show Demelza getting pissed off about the fact that her husband is gone. And yes, I know, she's scared. And that's underlying all of the tood that we see um, happening in the episode. Um, But honestly, to create something like that without thinking the logic through, um, just, it, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind. Uh, sorry, I'm, uh, that's that is that is my rant for for today's show. So, oh my god, um, <laughs> um, my least favorite scenes, uh, George again. Uh, mm-hmm. I am happy I can dissociate actor from character because I am kind of a Jack Farting fan girl. If you didn't already know, <laughs> um, same girl, same. Uh, well, he's awesome. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I really hated seeing George go to such lengths to again reassert his his newest position, but I thought it was kind of interesting to see how much he wanted this position of magistrate, even though he was the second choice, <laughs> but don't tell him. And uh, it was kind of interesting to see him stuck in the nets of power, because we, I thought he kind of, uh, I really thought, I really didn't think he would convict that poor girl. But he did again, and for what? Just to please a rapist who invited him to a banquet. So I just wanted to strangle him at this point. <laughs> Even Elizabeth. I don't think he would, though. When I was watching that scene, as soon as he got that invitation, I was like, oh, I know where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. 
And sitting oh, yeah. through that speech was horrible. Yeah, was I awful. felt like it was telegraphed too much because it was just like, oh, he's going to do the absolute worst thing. And I don't think it's really in character. Um, no. It was just agonizing to see. And you could see Jack try to do as much as he could with that scene and try to make him look slightly conflicted. It was just <laughs> like, oh, it wasn't, oh. Yeah. But then, but then, you know, he's, he's talking about, you know, you know, he's, he's looking like he's, he's somewhat conflicted after he hands down the, the judgment, but then he comes sauntering into the parlor in Truro, you know, bragging about how Lord Godolphin was, you know, very gratified and happy with, you know, the result, you know, it's like. It's Dude, a complete why are contradiction. You swaggering around about this when you know what you just did is wrong, wrong, wrong. Change of subject. What was your favorite new character and why? Um, Prairie said the brief cameo by the Poldark Dish ladies, aka the Cornwall Cougars. <laughs> because they were lucky <laughs> enough to get to do something we all probably wish we could do through that. Oh my god, yes. Oh my God! Yes, I watched their uh, I watched their YouTube last night about uh, the experience, and I was like, "Oh, please, I want to do something like that." <laughs> Except they they would probably have me as some kind of you know kind of slave servanty person, and I I would not be down for that. <laughs> I have seen um, what was I think it was in season one or maybe season two. They did have like random. Black people in the streets, yeah, like, yes. being slaves. Yeah, so, they did. Like maybe, maybe you could maybe, just, just maybe there's hope. The so maybe there's hope anyway. for all three of us. <laughs> uh, Bpack sixty seven said Tholly because he's a bit of a rogue. Tropelisa, I could really understand Tholly without subtitles this week. Which was great. He was going to take that barmaid upon her offer to Ross. Just a fun <laughs> comic relief. Oh my yes, god, Tholly! Yeah. <laughs> the dude, the dude that's playing Tholly is so freaking good. Uh, you know, he was borderline understandable this week. Although I have to say, you know, we can barely understand him when he speaks English. But give him the opportunity for some rapid fire French, and it's impeccable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was totally impressed. I was like, "Hey, wait, 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 wait! What? What did you just say?" Oh my god, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. Well, he has been living there for like twenty five years. That's that's true. That's true. Uh, my musings from the heart um, had my answer uh, for the the uh, best new care or favorite new character. Uh, not new, haha! But Ross looked so gorgeous in every scene of this episode. Perfect hair, perfect looks, manly, determined, adorable, passionate, playful, understanding while talking to Demelza, and less dominant. Plus, he was sensitive and emotionally a bit more articulative and communicative. That is quite a new, renewed, delicious combination. Oh, yeah. And he wore a hat. He, he wore a beanie. Um, Sweetbug22 said... It's not really a new character, but it's empowered Demelza. She's making decisions about her brothers, speaking to Elizabeth, and defying Ross to go on train with soil. She's providing storehouses. She's standing up to her husband, Queen D. I love her new spunk. Yay! Um, what was your least favorite new character, and why? 
Prairie Toothhead said, Tom, Harry isn't new, but I really disliked him even more than I already do in this episode. You know this constable thing is going to go <laughs> his head for sure. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be on one big power trip. Can I just mention uh-huh. while we're talking about Tom Harry? Uh-huh. He can read and write. I know! I was just so thrown by that. I was like, yeah, really, <laughs> really? Anyway, Amanda Poldark, the random French people in Roscoff because they sound ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, let's see. BPAC 67. Uh, after reading the piece by Amanda Poldark about Sam Karn, I am moving him out of my least favorite uh, new character, so she doesn't have anyone this week. But she admits that she was a bit harsh on Sam. Uh, BPAC, I'll remove you from my naughty list, but you're still on probation, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've got my eye on you. Um, Trappy Lisa said, maybe it's because I know what's coming, but Hugh Armitage. When he was asked if he was in hell, I found myself shouting at the television that he was going to wish he was in hell. (laughs) (laughs) I said the same thing! And a few other choice expletives. (laughs) Oh my god, I don't think you were alone in that activity at all, as a matter of fact. Mm, indeed, uh, my musings from the heart said, Here, Armitage, again, in view of what I so do not look forward to. And also, all the French people, they felt very cardboard, one-dimensional and cliché to me. Violent French yes. soldiers shouting, the inevitable French woman trying to seduce Ross, and when scorned trying to turn him in, I know. They made me laugh more than, <laughs> than that they drew me into the story. And baby Valentine, who looks like a girl, and who indeed in real life is a baby girl. What? What the fiffity fiffity fuff? Seriously? They can't find a male child to play Valentine? Oh, sweet Jesus. This is really bothering you. I'm like, I can tell. It was just a baby. Babies all look the same to me. Not a baby expert, it has to be said. Speaking of the inevitable French woman trying to seduce Ross, I am so tired of every woman on the planet who like sees Ross throwing themselves at him. This woman is so bitter at getting rejected by him that she tries to get him killed. Like, really? Like, his dick is that special? You gotta try and get him killed? You know that defies all logic. Let's just ask all Margaret logic. about the D being special. <laughs> okay, what made you cheer? Attorney MSB3 said the scene with Ross and Demelza, where Ross finally acknowledges Demelza's importance to her. <laughs> it only took him how many years? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, a few. Who's counting? Just me. Uh, Perry G <laughs> said, Action Ross. I love Action Ross kicking ass and taking names. Um, then going home to get another kind of action. <laughs> Those tentacles were on point this week. Yes! Um, Kinetic Fox said, Ross saying, I have no business asking you what you do in my absence. Hell yeah. I have a husband in the military and he has to leave once a month for drill or sometimes a whole month. I need to make decisions without him and he does not interrogate me for them. 
My musings from the heart said to Melza standing up for herself, defying Ross, being strong and fierce, and making her own decisions while Ross is away. And I loved Ross's sweet, understanding reaction after their initial argument about it. He sat down and looked up to her, quite symbolic, I thought, and his face became so soft. Finally, Ross seems to have learned to communicate better and was a bit more emotionally articulate and delici- <laughs> deliciously passionate. <laughs> I loved the playfulness before and during the love scene. Demelza and Prudy making bread and using Judd's line, tint fit, tint right, tint fair, tint proper. I miss Judd. We do. <laughs> However, you know, because I am such a Debbie Downer, uh, you know, as much as folks liked the scene where uh, Ross and Melza have this little confrontation, uh, there were some pretty pivotal lines spoken uh, that I fear were planted there uh, to set up the big ugly that uh, is coming down the pike. Uh, for example, uh, when Demelza said, Do I wait for you to return to fill the void you've left behind, or do I step into it and live my life as if you be not in it? Or Ross's response, I have no business questioning what you did in my absence. Now that I have, I'm not about to quibble over the conditions of my return. I am going to hate this show. Speaking of things you hate... Amanda Poldark, when Hugh Armitage appeared on the screen... Yeah, no, no cheering on my on my part. Tripolisa said everything about Prudy made me smile this week when she tried to cheer up Caroline, even though she seems like she knew what what a rough town they were heading into, <laughs> and when she was letting Demelza vent to her about Ross. I love the new and improved Prudy. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, as much as I miss Judd, I do like the new improved Prudy. I like that it's basically giving Prudy more screen time, yeah. Yes! Um, <laughs> can we talk about that town? Um, Roscoff looked really, really drab. Like, I know they were going for a French, like, war-torn town, but I felt like it was really unimaginative. <laughs> it was just grey and, like drab and just boring like when you go to a different location like you're going to a different country here show you could like try and make it look more interesting i mean it's france it's supposed to feel different and it was just like being stuck in hell for like it was like it was like they just went to wales it really (laughs) looks like wales i can't see anything other than wales what made you want to throw things at the television slash computer screen Absolutely addicted, Paul Darkey said. Morwenna looking sadly out of the window of doom. No! <laughs> no! That was the first thing I thought of when I when they had her sitting up there. I was like, holy shit, she's in the window of doom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Prairie Cheesehead said, uh, the effed up timeline. Apparently it took Ross four months to travel from Cornwall to France because when he left, Demelza wasn't showing yet. Now she's suddenly seven or eight months pregnant? Did Ross fall into a wormhole on the way to France? And if that wasn't annoying enough, the return trip seemed to only take a few days. Uh, yeah. 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 But, like, you can see France from Cornwall. I know! Like, I've, I've stood there and gone, oh, look, there's France! It literally doesn't make any sense. 
because it did look like they were just arriving when yeah. you know we first see them there and Demelza I I didn't get a really good look at the horrific baby bump situation that well, they when have she, going well, on well it was completely flat when, last week yeah. which is when he left and it's huge now uh-huh. It could have been yeah. like eight months for all we know. <laughs> Call it a year. Attorney MSV3 said the entire storyline and treatment of Elizabeth, this episode, and George being turned into characterization of a villain, only missing long curly mustache you can twirl. Snidely. Snidely. Also continued, though fewer in number, still subtle as a Sherman tank, references to Valentine's appearance, parenta- parentage. And Elizabeth's anxious looks. BPAC67 said the scene where Demelza and Elizabeth see one another when Elizabeth is in the carriage does not add anything and seems so contrived. And I actually have a theory about why they included that that uh, drive-by confrontation with Elizabeth and Demelza. Uh, they needed to make the reveal about Demelza's brother uh, have more of an impact because obviously we can't remember how these two women were rivals for the same man's heart now, can we? Uh, so they threw that in as if to remind Elizabeth about the two that she has when it comes to Demelza. I think I've gotten to be a little bit jaded. Don't you? Little, I mean, it's not bit. ill-founded. It's not ill-founded. Seriously. Um, so I was just posting about my thoughts on this recently but i'm gonna get into it more Uh, oh yeah um i agree with it i'm kind of annoyed at the way the entire show is being framed at the moment and it's entirely around ross demelza and elizabeth and george to the point where they're beefing up storylines and trying to give them extra screen time um, and it's really to the detriment of other characters. Other characters that are, like, built slightly lower and who technically have a bigger role in the novels are getting just tiny snippets of time and basically just getting their arc skimmed over. You're getting very minimal done. It's really like Debbie has no faith in these other characters. And they're not even, like, tiny or new characters. For example... Dwight and Caroline, whose love story is really at the heart of Winston's novel and the drum and the drama of a major chunk of the story, they're like ba- barely getting any screen time. Like this week, they got less than like two minutes. Mm-hmm. You could almost forget why Ross was in France with the way the show makes it all about like the Romelza marriage. It's really starting to like piss me off viscerally. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I totally get you. I totally get you. I mean, as as much of a Romelza junkie as I am, um, you know, one of the things that made uh, Black Moon so uh, entertaining was you know seeing this this um, relationship between Demelza and Caroline um, develop, uh, seeing Caroline. Um, going and doing uh, what she could to find out information about uh, Dwight's situation. I mean, she winds up going off to London to go talk to some folks about it. Um, So she's much more uh, active in the pursuit of information about uh, Dwight's whereabouts uh, than she is in the show. And, you know, we just see her looking absolutely beautiful and staring off into 
to space, you know, looking worried, and that's that's what she did. That's 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 a waste. It's a waste of of her talent, um, and our having more depth added to the story because we're so focused on you know Elizabeth becoming a laudanum head and uh, you know all of these other new things that had absolutely nothing to do with the the storyline. I mean, um, Ross going over to France should be about the pursuit of Dwight, and instead what it became was this weird, like, projection of the problems of the Romelza marriage. And it was like, we don't need this drama here right now. The drama is in France of, like, the situation, not in the tension in their marriage. Like, this is fine. Like, why are you creating extra drama for them? Like, just let other people have conflict at the moment. Yeah, and it's also the same with uh, the Morwenna Drake situation. I don't know if I'm the only one bothered by it, but I feel like they're going too fast. Uh, I personally don't know anything about Morwenna, besides the fact that ah. she's Elizabeth's cousin and that she's working because she needs money. Other than that, it's just like uh, she meets Drake and then they they uh, fall in love madly for each other. So, yeah, Instantaneously. I mean... You know, she was she was uh, fairly hesitant about the the whole the whole potential relationship with Drake um, in in the books. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know that adds to the complexity of the character. I mean, right now it's really one dimensional. Hi, I'm a young girl. I fall in love with a boy from the wrong side of the tracks. Oh, whatever is going to happen between us? Da da da. I feel like Moena is being completely mischaracterized in the show. In the book, she was um like bookish and cautious, and she had this academic side to her. So when she fell in love with Drake. There was a weight to that decision. You trusted that, like, she felt very strongly about it because she wasn't this sort of flighty, flighty, reckless girl that we're getting in the TV show. Like, this could just be any girl. Like, you don't really feel like sh- this relationship has any weight behind it because she doesn't seem like sh- that serious about it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah. It, it's, it's really really bothering me and they're spending so much time on it well not the, are they really they spend most of their time just doing shots of them running and like beautiful well, yeah, yeah. Shots. have yeah. they even had a conversation they jumped from like hello and here have a present to okay let's kiss kiss me <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay moving on <laughs> Um, what was your performance of the week? Uh, my musings of the heart, or from the heart, uh, said all Romelza love scenes, a balm to my heart and soul. The on-screen chemistry between Ross, Aiden, and Demelza Eleanor is by far still unparalleled and unprecedented, and the absolute best and the most wonderful, <laughs> moving, and delightful I've ever seen. Swoon! <laughs> what? Prairie Cheesehead said Eleanor as Demelza especially when she takes matters into her own hands in Ross's absence. It feels like Demelza's finally coming into her own as an adult and as Ross's equal. 
Amanda Poldark said, Jack farting because we all want to kill George for being so unbearably smug. Uh, BPAC67 said, Aiden, love the happiness, joy, love, and passion for Demelza that Ross shows on his return from France. Also love how Ross put his hand on her pregnant belly when they were in bed. That was pretty sweet. Tropeliza said, 100% hands down, Hyda Reed. She killed every scene. At first I was like, oh, here we go, meek and mild. She didn't doesn't want to see George in court and would rather spend time at the house than see him in action. And then, when she found out Sam was Demelza's brother, the shock, indignation, and hate that she pushed out of her eyes, like, I was seriously afraid in that moment. And her shock, and you could see her struggling to contain her outrage at the trial scene. She just nailed it. I have passionate hate for her character, but I'll tell you, she just crushed her scenes. Uh, I agree with you. I thought she was absolutely fantastic this week. Really did. Uh, any other observations you wish to share with us? Parachise has said, I found it odd that apparently hating on Ross is arousing for George and Elizabeth. <laughs> Judging from the way they were making out after deciding to go to the house in Truro to be free of Ross. I'm not surprised. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, especially for George. <laughs> uh, let's see. I pity Elizabeth, who is portrayed as a more and more suffering, unhappy woman who needs to take tinctures and alcohol to get through life with George. Her aloofness to baby Valentine and her dark looks at him all the time just break my heart. Amanda Podark said, did anyone else notice how Demelza hesitated when she read Hugh's name on the list? Come on! I love that bit. Also, I'm not ready for Reverend Whitworth next week. All right, girlfriend. Um, why would Demelza hesitate over scrolling past his name be cause for swoonage at this stage of the game? She hasn't even met the man yet. Uh, the reason they did that was to provide the edit back to the prison camp, not out of any sense of precognitive pining. I understand <laughs> you and your crew are excited to see huge ass, I mean, Hugh Armitage, appear on the show. Um, BFAC67 said, putting my book hat on, I am wondering whether the show is struggling to give the multiple storylines and characters from the book the necessary time and space in the show, despite Debbie cutting out some characters and storylines. In other words, we're trying just, to... We're, weren't we just talking about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all coming we were. <laughs> Um, Definitely. In other words, they're trying to do too much with not enough resources. Um, also not a fan of making characters one-dimensional. For example, Elizabeth is a bad parent and has a drinking medication problem. They're interested to see how the Aussie and Hugh storylines play out. Well, you can bet it's going to be one-dimensional. Yay! Oh, absolutely. Um, I, yeah. You know, as you've heard during the show, uh, we all agree that uh, we think you're spot on with your observations. I think they've selected the storylines that serve to move the story forward, but trying to cram them in and give them room to breathe within an eight-show season is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, this show would have greatly benefited from a 10- to 12-show schedule and, you know, maybe even, uh, you know, one of the, you know, multiple-show um, schedules that we have here in the States. Uh, well, but maybe just try to, to do one book. Just try and do one book yeah. at a time. Yeah, I mean, if they had focused on one book, we would have been fine. 
Sweet Buck 22 said, I laughed out loud when I saw Ross hiding in a haystack. Perhaps the talented writer has written about Ross and a haystack that I may or may not have read several times. And also randomly that Sam has the most beautiful eyes. <laughs> oh god, I didn't even think about the haystack. Blush. Okay. And Sam let's... does have beautiful eyes. He has Sam the has most beautiful, beautiful eyes, eyes in the world. No, just kidding. He really does. He has the most beautiful well, eyes I, in Cornwall. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know how I was giving him crap uh, a couple weeks ago? For his nose. Yeah. Um, he's growing on me. Yeah. Plus the fact that he, he can sing really well. Uh, that, that always makes me go, hey. Thank you, Tom York. Okay. Well, let's move on to messages. Again, we've had many messages this week. So thanks again for sending them out. First message is from a girl pulled out costume project i.e. Amanda Poldock. 303 costume hot takes. Jeremy's tiny breeches! <laughs> I legit cried over how cute they were. <laughs> Prudy got a new frock. Ross's green spy hat looks too much like a modern beanie. Douche Leggins wig deserves its own spin-off. Oh my god, <laughs> the way they zoomed in on that. I know! French character... <laughs> French characters were pretty accurate for 1790s peasants slash working class slash soldiers. Yeah, it's like one positive thing that we've seen, we've heard about the the scenes done in quote France end quote. I th- I just thought the soldiers like coats looked very like we've been um, freshly laundered, which was strange. I was like <laughs> they would have been in those coats for like months. Oh, anyway, yeah, they had been pretty manky. Demelza is finally wearing a cloak. Yes! Um, she's been cold for so long. <laughs> Further confusing the timeline because you're like, is it winter? Is it summer? She's wearing a cloak, but people are still on the beach. Anyway, Morwenna's brown jacket seems suspect for period, as does her terrible wig. No, that's my injection. I uh, can't tell if Luke's beard is real. Well, that can't be real, can it? No, that's not well, real. If it if it isn't, and it's causing people to wonder about it, then whoever laid that the hair down for the uh, the beard did a good job. If people are going real fake, real fake. And Amanda finishes off by saying, "Excellent special effects with Dwight and the prisoners." Um, Anonymous said, I don't remember Elizabeth taking any drugs. Is this a new development in the series only? Yep. New development, which I hate like poison. My buddy Sparks had an observation that Elizabeth is in very low spirits, even probably depressed. She's beginning to become aware of just what she's married, having been blinded to it before. She's never seen Douchelegan for who he is. Um, he's made sure of it, actually, and her willful naivete uh, has helped him with that. And now she's seeing it. Are we ignoring the scene in season two where George blackmails her? Or... Girl, I don't think she even realized that's what he was doing. I really God, she's don't. especially thick then. <laughs> uh, one thing, however, is that she knew 
how the justice system worked. Uh, remember uh, when she was going over to see Ross after Jim Carter, uh, you know, George plays cards with Reverend Hulse. Perhaps something could have been arranged. So she knows how the justice system works. There are some other theories meandering around the fandom right now. However, we really want to see how this whole storyline plays out uh, before we comment any further on it. Uh, next question came from Anonymous. I'm really bothered by Ross's comment to Tholly about needing a wife who could skin rabbits and chop wood. In fact, we see Demelza chopping wood later on in the episode when she's like mm-hmm. nine months pregnant. What is your take on that scene? Um, I know that there are a lot of folks out there who found his comments in that scene difficult to hear. Uh, we did get a great response uh, to that from Sweetbog22. Uh, the beautiful scene where Ross and Thali are talking in their room and Ross was explaining how Elizabeth had married his cousin. When he told Thali he needed a wife that could skin rabbits as well as drink tea, I felt like that was such a compliment to Demelza. He's finally appreciating Demelza's attributes and the strength she brings to their lives. I think he finally realized that Elizabeth would never fit into Nampara life and that the right choice had been made for him, even when he was too stupid to realize it. <laughs> He downplayed the way he said it because he was speaking to another man, and you certainly wouldn't want to seem love-struck or vulnerable, uh, but I believe Ross is finally aware of, an incre- of the incredible woman she is and how lucky he is to have her. Ladies, what do you think? Um, I was bothered by what he said at first, uh, but I think it kind of echoes the early stages of their marriage because... We remember that Ross did not marry Demelza because he loved her at the time, but because he felt like it was the right thing to do after um, they first had sex. And uh, given how essential she had proved to be in the household uh, management, you you would understand why Demelza would be a fit choice for a man like Ross. And uh, he knew that Elizabeth uh, not only was out of his reach at that time, but also uh, what value would she have, uh, would she have brought to the Nampara. Surprisingly, I yeah. was never that bothered by this comment at all. I usually jump yeah. on everything Ross says, but I was like, no, nah, that's about right. Yeah, you mm-hmm. did need I, someone who could do both. Kelly Girl Runs said, favorite scene is when Demaza tells Ross that he might get some, even when he doesn't really deserve <laughs> it. <laughs> I like that she's coming into her own and she has stopped taking his crap. Anonymous, I just saw your blog and I bet Jeremy said, who's Papa? All right. All right. I've just about had it with references to Ross being a sectastic father. Uh, By 21st century standards, maybe. But by 18th century standards, not so much. Uh, This kind of thing was pretty typical back in the day. I'm willing to bet you your opinions about his parenting skills will change once the new baby is here. Trust me, there's a reason for what we're seeing. Yeah, Ross being pretty terrible with Jeremy is canon from the book. And um, uh-huh. as a Jeremy fan, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's, I don't think it's a necessarily a comment on his parenting in general. I do find it interesting, though, that they're contrasting Ross's, like, I've called it deadbeat dadness. <laughs> <laughs> Take that with a pinch of salt. Um, With George who seems to take a very active role in his son's life and enjoys spending time with him, even though it pisses off Elizabeth. 
It's kind of sad that George is being a good dad while Ross and Jeremy don't appear to like even know who each other are. Again, like I said, this is accurate to the book. Ross is just generally apathetic about him. And you know, uh, you've got to know why they're showing George uh, to be this uber papa, don't you? Um, you know, it's so that when he finds out there's a possibility that Valentine isn't his, that his attitude towards the child will be all that more visceral on screen. It's going to break my heart, though, because he's so cute yeah. when he's holding that baby. It was like, oh, damn. Right in the right in the feels. <laughs> and the kid yeah. really looks like him. That's what I find really ironic. I'm like, everybody's going, oh, it doesn't look a thing like him. And I'm looking at that kid going, no, it looks like him. <laughs> what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, it's got curls all, you know, a little blondy curls all over his head. Oh, yeah, looks like him. Definitely. Okay, now let's listen to the trailer for next week's episode. The Princess Charlotte was ambushed this morning at Truro Key. Failed harvest, worst winter in 30 years. Is it wrong to hope for love in a marriage? <laughs> Run to make sure all's ready. I don't like it, maid. The Reverend Osborne Whitworth. Oh, I pray you excuse me, sir. I assure you my love will be returned. You're certain it was he? He's most certain the ringleader. You're out in your mind. He's overplayed his hand this time. How do you sleep at night, George? Perhaps you should ask Elizabeth. A grain ship is raided by starving villagers and George arranges a harsh punishment for the desperate presence while throwing a lavish Christmas party to impress the local gentry. Caroline hears news that the Admiralty has arranged for the release of the British officers, but Ross is not convinced, lamenting the loss of wheel leisure to George and having seen miners broken by the terms of their labours. Demelza gives birth to a daughter and warns Moena against a relationship with Drake. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. What are you most looking forward to next week? Um, hmm. Well, I really want to find out what this whole, uh, the, the, the last little bit of the trailer, you know, George saying, you know, well, Ross, first of all, saying, you know, how do you sleep at night, George? And George then saying, why don't you ask Elizabeth? I mean, oh, snap. what the hell is that about? What the hell? I think that is Ross confronting him about the closing of Wheel Leisure. Not in the books. Yeah, that's true. Um, Which will be my new new catchphrase. Not in the books! (laughs) Not in the books! We should put a trademark on that. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Delanda? Um, I hope there will be some kind of rebellion against George because this is getting too far. And... um, yeah, and also, yeah, a new baby, uh, baby Clowens. So, um. Yes. Yes, and I'm not looking forward to meeting that pig. Osborne Whitworth. <laughs> I kind of am. Is that bad? Like, I'm like, that's going to be an exciting character. Well, yeah. He I'm... is disgusting, but sort of interesting. Here's the thing. I like his bad guy. Here's the thing. If we had more faith that characters are going to be more than one-dimensional at this point, I would probably be very interested to see how this whole thing is going to wind up happening. But I highly doubt they're going to wind up uh, doing anything but make this this new character um, uh, another villain. But uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I think he I think the, the actor playing him is absolutely perfect. 
creepily perfect. I am generally concerned about the whole Demelza warns Morwenna against a relationship with Drake. Me thing. too. Did but that happen? Doesn't know Morwenna. Why did, are they? Did that even happen in the? That didn't happen in the books, did it? No. Demelza talks to Drake about it, which makes yes. More sense. <laughs> yeah. Them being caught making out in the church. Would they have done like I know that they they do get caught talking in the church, yeah. but, but like smooching out in a church. <laughs> That's so strange. <laughs> I know they're desperate, but come on, just make out on the beach. <laughs> hey, right? you know, there's that whole song. There's that whole song. Take me to church. <laughs> Take me to church. Oh my god. <laughs> We can play that next week. <laughs> no wonder they get kicked out of that church. Like, Drake Seriously. does not respect Jesus. Sam Seriously. is going to be so pissed. He's going to be like, you were making out what? <laughs> oh, poor Sam. And I, I'm actually looking forward to, um, you know, they, they're saying that Caroline hears about the release of British officers. You know, anything that gives us more screen time for Caroline and Dwight, um, I am all for. Not holding my breath. I think I, it'll get be about thirty seconds of the show. Yeah, pretty much. Caroline will be like, "Oh, we can offer a ransom," and and then Ross will be like, "No, no that won't work." And then, and then move that, on. that'll be the end of that. Sorry, I I had a moment of optimism there. You know, the next time that happens, just just give me a slap. We're trying to beat that out of. Thank me. you, thank you. Save me from myself. Okay, so we've reached the end of this week's podcast. Thank you to everyone who got in touch. We really appreciate your opinions. If you would like your opinions read or questions asked on the podcast, then please get in touch via Twitter. You can tweet us at Polar Podcast or by going to our blog at polarpodcast.tumblr.com slash ask. And please do try and get those in by Tuesday because that is when we record. We will see you next time. And bye-bye. Bye. 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 You've been gone